Well, hello. My name is Robert Green. This is my lovely wife of 35 years, Linda Sue. We are empty nesters, uh, two boys. Uh, this picture that you see, we had just finished flying a couple of Harris Hawks outside a castle in Ireland. They were on a year-long backpacking trip to 30 countries around the world, and we were lucky enough to join them in Ireland for a week. So that was a lot of fun. It was. Um, yes, well, we got married on St. Patrick's Day in 1984. And one of my favorite things about getting married on that day is that I got to change my last name to Green. <laughs> so I'm sure you're wondering who is the guy that she married in that picture. So, you know, if, if you've ever uh, kept up with Seinfeld, one of the uh, uh, characters there is George Costanza. And he says, hey, you know, these uh, are the remnants of a once proud civilization. So I'm smiling really big in that picture. And why am I smiling big? Because like all guys, I know the honeymoon is coming. So the start of my married sex life, though, would immediately hit a speed bump. Yeah. So when we got to Maui, I headed to the pool and put on oil like I'd done all my life. But evidently the sun is different over there in Maui because what normally would have turned into a tan turned into a major sunburn. Yeah, so she kind of looked like this picture. Um, I had to rub aloe vera all over her, but I really couldn't touch her, if you know what I mean. So after her fever broke, um, we had a great time. So our only claims to fame, uh, I'm a Texas Aggie, you know, fighting uh, class of 1982. Linda is the, for four years, she was the career free throw champion uh, at the University of Louisiana in Monroe, record holder. So she's kind of a minor celebrity. So she's a big deal. Um, So it's our privilege to work with a lot of couples here at uh, our marriage ministry at Watermark. And we're seeing more more and more couples that struggle in the area of sex. And we know that this can really be an area of significant uh, pain to couples. And please know tonight that you can find healing. Uh, For the first part of our talk, we want to share our story in this area in one very specific thing that a lot of couples struggle with, and it's where one spouse has a higher sex drive than the other. Okay, so um, we'll start by sharing our own story and then some things that have helped us. So I grew up in a Christian home um, and came to a saving faith in Jesus when I was nine. My parents modeled love and affection towards each other and taught me that sex was God's gift and his design for couples um, to enjoy in marriage. I never got the official sex talk, but in their defense, um, they probably felt that I had learned all that I needed to learn when I walked in on them at the age of six. So that was the extent of the sex talk. So I belonged to Jesus, but I had a rebellious heart and spent the first 22 years of my life pursuing the things of this world, especially in my college years where My poor choices led to inappropriate relationships, which led to heartache and a lot of guilt and shame. But God, in his mercy, kept pursuing me through all of it and turned my rebellious heart back to him. He put a new desire in my heart to walk in his ways. Um, I just am amazed that um, when God sees me, he has declared that I am blameless because of Christ's shed blood on the cross for me. And that it covers all of my sins. And though, although I've battled um, thoughts of guilt and shame over the years, I was able to fight that battle with God's truth. That I'm forgiven, that I am his precious daughter of the king who delights in me and loves me with unfailing love. And by his grace, I was able to go into marriage experiencing freedom in the area of sex. 
So please be encouraged. We have a God who rescues, redeems, heals, and restores. And he's able to do so much more than we can ever hope or imagine. Yeah, I also placed my faith in Christ at an early age. I remained a virgin until we married, um, although I had plenty of sexual promiscuity, especially in high school. So I learned about sex primarily from the culture. In my church, we were taught to stay away from sex because only bad things happen until you get married. So as a firstborn, I complied, but it was a daily struggle against my hormones that often resulted in masturbation. And I could not wait to have legal sex. Um, But I was not really looking to get married until Linda and I met in 1982. And after she beat me in a free throw shooting contest, I knew she was the one. And we married 18 months later. So this kicked off phase one in our sex drive story. Now, to be honest with you, this talk started on a cocktail napkin in a restaurant. We started drawing on the napkin a picture of our journey, which you now see on this chart. We know this chart's a little corny, um, but we think that a picture helps convey the story. Okay, so the pink line depicts my sex drive and the blue, Robert's. So during phase one, we had a robust sex life where our desires were in sync. As young marrieds, we were in a church where sex was never really talked about. So our own experiences were our own guide, and we were really having fun. It never really occurred to us that um, couples would be struggling in this area of sex. So um, in 2008, we entered phase two. This is when menopause hit, and I had no idea what was going on. I couldn't sleep or think. I had no energy, and my sex drive completely disappeared. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to tell Robert. I didn't know what was going on, didn't want to hurt him. So I just tried to avoid situations that might trigger his desire, like undressing in front of him. (laughs) Doesn't take much. All right. So I was working with my doctor and trying different natural remedies, but nothing seemed to be helping. And then um, it felt like everything came crashing down when my dad died suddenly. I was very close to him, his only daughter. We shared the same birthday. And I found myself overwhelmed with grief while dealing with the menopause stuff. Yeah, so during this time, Linda was avoiding me sometimes, which made her feel bad, and I didn't really know why, uh, neither did she, so we were really not quite sure what to do. So I just started adjusting my expectations. Uh, While I was frustrated by it, I knew she was grieving the loss of her dad, and I hoped that she would snap out of it. And I also hit 50 during this phase, so I started seeing the effects of midlife, including, you know, a decrease in my sex drive. So in some respects, this was a blessing because it helped me lower my expectations regarding frequency. But I mean, during phase two, we were not in a desert. There were plenty of times of passion, just not the frequency that we had once enjoyed. You know, for example, on our 25th anniversary, we had a fun time in car number 23 on the mile-long Whistler gondola. Yeah, well, at least we had the restraint to skip car 22, which was the glass-bottom car. <laughs> Uh, We gave this talk one time, and a guy comes running up afterwards and says, well, now, exactly how long is that ride? And, uh, you know, I told him it was 11 minutes. So we had plenty of time for sightseeing. (laughs) Okay. So a couple of things happened in 2010 that led us to phase three. First, I decided to try hormone replacement therapy, and after trying a few options, I found a combination that did wonders for my energy and sex drive. 
You can see from the chart that every time I receive a treatment, which is a few times a year, it has an immediate impact on my drive. Second, I attended a Bible study program that taught me how to memorize scripture, meditate on God's word, and pray, and, um, which helped me grow tremendously in um, my dependence on God. So this was critical for me when our sex drives flipped. There were occasions when Robert didn't seem to desire me, and I would start to believe lies and question my um, body image and feel undesirable. But because of my time in God's word, I had the tools to fight these lies. I was reminded that God, what God tells me, um, that it's true, and that I am made in his image, and that he loves me and delights in me. Yeah, so today I can tell you that our sex life is better than ever. There are times we're not, we're not as in sync, you know, as we once were, but because we've each had seasons of being on the high and the low side in terms of sex drive, we better understand each other and just have more compassion for each other. So what we'd like to do is just leave you with four things that we learned through this journey. So these were really helpful for us, and as we've met with others, we've found it's been helpful to them. So we believe these four things apply, whether you're 27 years old, 47, 67, you know, or anywhere in between. So the first one is to communicate. So we had to learn how to talk about this, and so must you. I mean, I totally understand how awkward uh, this can be for many of you in this room. It was for us, but this is really important. If you personally are struggling in the area of sex, you've got to tell your spouse. Even if you don't know what is happening, which was often our case, it will be helpful for you to let your spouse into your struggle. And frankly, by not discussing it, you open the door to misunderstandings between you. Um, And you actually deny your spouse the opportunity to love you um, if you keep it to your Yourself. I mean, Galatians 6.2 says that we are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. So um, many times when Robert would want to talk about this topic, I would take things that he said personally, and that was mostly from my insecurities and all that. So um, it was just important that when your spouse wants to talk to you, that you can discuss the topic, listen compassionately and with an open mind, and try to... Um, let those insecurities go away. <laughs> um, and listen to their point of view. Um, it surprised me and both of us how often we would be reluctant to discuss this topic. Yet the other one was thinking almost the same thing. And each time we talked about um, sex, it became easier to discuss it the next time. We have also learned that as awkward as it is, it's important to communicate what you like sexually. And it's more awkward for me. It just, it just feels weird, but it's so important. It was hard for me to um, share this with Robert and um, sh- talk about those things, but <clears throat> he helped me understand that I wasn't being selfish, that it was important for him to learn to know how to please me. And in marriage where both spouses are focused serving on serving each other, this is actually a way to love each other. Exactly. So uh, point number two is don't pressure. So this point is primarily for the spouse with the higher drive. So when Linda hit menopause and her desire changed dramatically, um, I quickly learned that pressuring her for sex was not a good idea. 
Sometimes I would try to ask nicely. I would say, like, you know, feeling frisky today? Um, But that would often make her feel guilty and put a damper on the whole evening. And here's another pro tip from somebody who's been there. If she's crying and you're trying to comfort her, don't try to turn that into a sexual encounter. It just doesn't go well. So let's look at Paul's words in Philippians chapter 2. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So we are called to mutually serve one another. Pressuring your spouse to meet your needs is not serving them. Uh, We have found that a better way is to go back to number one and discuss this in a way that honors your spouse. So yeah, there are times when I would be frustrated and um, and during those times of frustration, I would learn that expressing these uh, my frustrations to the Lord and asking him to change my heart allowed him to work in me and make, made a difference. Um, I found that my focus would change away from my needs to Robert's. So one of the things that helped me a lot was trying to see the situation through Robert's eyes. So think for a moment that um, about you, what you would do if your sex drives flipped. If you became the one on the low side, would you be encouraged if your spouse related to you the way that you are relating to them now? And if not, what can you do to change that? Yeah. So number three is don't withhold. So this point is primarily for the spouse with the lower drive. So this is the spouse that is really in the position of power. Like when my desire is lower, I'm the one that controls the frequency with which we have sex. So how is a Christian in power supposed to act towards those under them? And so consider the words of Jesus in Mark 10. He says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So I am to serve. And that includes my spouse. Remember, uh, your spouse does not have another sexual outlet. Uh, You are it. And we've learned that some spouses just don't understand how much of a physical need sex is for their spouse. Um, Paul really understood this when he counseled couples in Corinth. So it's kind of a long passage in 1 Corinthians, so just stick with me. But it says, The husband should fill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, You should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Yeah, so it's important. When we marry, we give our bodies to um, our spouse as a gift. And it's so important that we don't take that gift back. Even when the demands of life um, get hard. You might be worn out from a day at work or caring for elderly parents, kind of the situation we're in now. Um, And I found that when I was exhausted from nursing babies and caring for toddlers and the very exhausting teenage years or the craziness of menopause, um, sex was usually the last thing on my mind. But that's exactly where sex starts. Scripture has really um, helped to change my thinking. When negative thoughts come into my mind that I don't want to have sex, um, I try to apply 2 Corinthians 10.5. It 
says, we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I learned that when I surrendered the thought to God, he replaced it with a desire for me to serve my spouse. I had to choose to change my attitude and give unselfishly and ask God to work that change. And then um, I was able to focus on ways to make sex work, which means I had to get creative sometimes. Um, You have to come up with different ways where that can work for you. For us, um, we learned that we needed to schedule sex, put it on the calendar and schedule it so we both knew it was coming. Other times, um, quickies work great. The gondola ride, and then um, <laughs> when um, and when intercourse is not an option, you know there are just other ways that you can pleasure your spouse. <laughs> yeah, plenty. <laughs> so, number four, share. So, if you're struggling, it is wise to bring others into the conversation. So, this may sound crazy. Uh, we know this can be difficult. It's hard enough to share with your spouse, much less bring in others. Um, you know, here at Watermark, the first place we would normally go is to our small group. So, guys with guys and girls with girls. Let them be the ones to help you decide next steps to take. You know, if you're not in a small group, we highly recommend uh, that you find a place where you can, uh, where it can be a safe place to discuss it. Um, your re-engage group is a great place to start that. Remember Proverbs 15:22 that says, "Plans fail for lack of counsel." But with many advisors, they succeed. It's really going to be helpful to have others around you because this can be really complicated. Lynn is going to share some of the things that we've seen that complicate this. Yeah, so a lot of things affect our sexual desire. Um, Sometimes the physical pain that's involved, um, which is when that occurs, um, you need to reach out to a doctor and figure out what's going on there. There can also be medical issues So a next step would be to consult a medical professional. And for me, hormone replacement therapy obviously made a big difference. So it could be something spiritual. Our spiritual lives are so closely tied to our sex life. And as you share this struggle with your group, you know, ask them to look and see and if there's any areas in your life where you could be struggling to submit and trust the Lord with this area. And a sexual abuse is part of your past part of your story. There are ministries that can help, and we just beg you not to suffer in silence, and, um, and just, uh, there is healing there. God can heal it. Um, do you want, yeah, you want no, to that's great. The next one? Yeah, so just to summarize this, um, communicate, don't pressure, don't withhold, and share, or to put it in a very positive way, I would say communicate, and change those middle two to serve and share. So we want to be crystal clear about one thing tonight. You should leave here with a desire to better serve your spouse. Um, Guys, if all you heard tonight is that your wife should not withhold sex, you've totally missed the point. Ladies, if all you heard tonight is your husband should stop pressuring you for sex, you've missed the point. Um, We believe that you must talk about this and come to a place where you're serving one another. And please understand, if you make changes tonight, um, you know, based on anything you've heard and things don't improve immediately, don't be discouraged. This may take some time. This is why you need some friends around you to help encourage you on the journey. So, You know, my friends, God uh, created sex um, as a gift for us to enjoy. If there's any doubt about it, realize that he dedicated an entire book, you know, the the Song of Solomon, to this topic. 
So you can also visit the Reengage um, website to find some really helpful resources. Go to marriagehelp.org/sexualintimacy. And one of the um, resources mentioned on that site is a book called Intimate Issues by Linda Dillo and um, Elaine Pennis. And it's a great handbook for women to help you um, transform your sexual attitudes and enhance your sexual relationship. I highly, highly recommend it for the ladies. And so uh, we recognize in a crowd of this size, there's bound to be some couples struggling in their relationship. Uh, Perhaps specifically in the area of sex and, you know, the thought of physical intimacy might be um, a world away. So don't feel any pressure uh, to leave here tonight uh, and have sex or act like you have it all together in this area. What we would encourage you to do is simply get started talking about it. And so if you'd like help navigating uh, this um, we, you know, with your spouse or, or need any other questions answered, man, we would encourage you to, um, to talk to your leader and um, they would love to help you through this. So Just thank you guys so much for letting us share tonight. Y'all have a good night.